Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. Um, once again, before I get into the books, how about we have a little chat? Um, this time it's going to be a lot funner, I think, than last week's uh, little, you know, sipping the tea discussion. So I actually just, like, got off Twitter finally for, you know, a little bit so I can get this done. And I was having possibly the best Friday morning Romance Landia conversation on there ever. I will leave all the links to the tweets I'm talking about in the bottom of the post, but I will just say it all started when I was tweeting about a line from a book um, where the hero is, you know, jerking off and he's thinking about all the places where he would like to come on the heroine. And he's thinking, you know, oh, I want to come, uh, you know, in her mouth. Okay, good. I want to come on her tits. Okay, again, I'm here for this. Okay, good. And then he says, I want to come in her hair. And I'm like, wait, what? Hold up. Um, no. No, no, no. Nobody wants jizz in their hair. It is not fucking conditioner. Leave it away from the face and the hair, okay? So I, I took to Twitter with that, and it just went from there. There's, There was a lot of fun. That's all I can say. There was a lot of crazy, crazy fun going on. If you're not following me on Twitter, I mean, I don't want to, you know, tweet my own horn, <laughs> but you should probably do that because some some days I'm pretty awesome. I think so, at least. And uh, you never know what you're going to find with my Twitter feed. So if you want to know what the entire thing was about the jizz, look down below at all the links. There was like, I don't know, a couple dozen tweets, but I kind of give you all of the um, starting points of like the different threads of conversations and you can go through them at your leisure. Um, you know, maybe maybe don't have something in your mouth that you're drinking or whatever at the time because I cannot be held responsible if you, you know, spit take laughter and ruin a keyboard or something with um, your drink. <laughs> so that was, a, that was a fun way to start off this Friday and, you know, Twitter, I, I use Twitter as an escape, but I mean, it's also right now... Um, you know, a way to to express frustrations and worries and keep up to date on everything that's going on in the world, which is, you know, a fucking crazy mess. So it was nice to have this little bubble of, you know, fun and laughter while we were there on Twitter before we go back into, you know, back into the trenches of fighting 2017. Um, one other little comment to anyone out there listening. If you would like to become a guest reviewer for TBQ's Book Palace, the blog that I run, um, please get a hold of me. I'm always, literally, I'm always looking for more guest reviewers. I have got so much empty space on the blog and on the schedule, and I, I want all the reviews. If you have something to say about a book that you read, a romance, um, any subgenre, any pairing, any heat level, um, I don't do inspirationals on the blog, but, you know, other than that, any other thing, let me know. Whether it's, whether it's a book that you loved or a book that you outright hated and you have all the things to say about it, get a hold of me. I would like to hear them and I'd like to, you know, share them on the blog for everyone else. You can do one review, you could start doing a review, you know, every week or every month or whatever works with you. Just, just get a hold of me, okay? We can work something out. I promise you. I have got room. If you would like to talk about romance novels, I've got room for you. So come join us, okay? Um, and I think that's kind of all for, like, housework, so to speak, kind of things to get out of the way before we get into the fun 
of what I read for the week. So let's move into that. So this will be for everything that I read for the week of September 3rd of 2017. Um, I read three, four. I was going to write this down, you guys, how many I did, so I didn't have this thing again. I think there's three. I guess we'll know by the time I get done with this if I've covered them all. Um, so I started the week by finishing off completely by Ruthie Knox, which releases on the 26th of September. And I ended up giving this one three stars. Um, and I was, I was hoping that it would have been higher than that. But by the time everything was done, I just, I couldn't really go any higher than that. So completely... Uh, is the story of Cal and Rosemary. So Cal is a hero of color. He is Sherpa. Um, he is the son of a famous mountain climber. Um, his mother, his father kind of too, but his father was an asshole that we won't get into, although he's part of kind of the story there. Um, his mother, anyway, was uh, climbed Everest seven times, I believe it was, so she was like the w woman that had done it the most in the world. Um, so he's kind of well known for that. And he's, you know, been part of that, um, you know, climbing community, but he himself has never, uh, climbed the top of Everest. He has no desire to do that, but he does work with like some of the guides and works with the people there around Everest and, and wants to help them. But he has a thing against the actual climbing of the mountain. Um, Rosemary is British. She is divorced. She is, um, her ex-husband was the hero of book two in this series, which I think might still be on sale for 99 cents. If it is, I will link it, um, in the post. I really liked book two. Um, by the way, just yay for, you know, finally having another <laughs> rare, um, ex, you know, getting their own story instead of being, relegated to the shitty exes of Romance Landia, which is like overbooked and overused and just needs to go away, please. Can we have some, you know, ex-wives and ex-girlfriends especially, but even, you know, ex-boyfriends and husbands and whatever that are not these horrible people that are, you know, evil and crappy and need to die? Like, no, there are some good exes. We've all had some good exes, right? We don't need to perpetuate this this thing against, you know, especially the women, um, being, you know, horrible exes in Romance Landia. Can we stop? So anyway, <laughs> my point was, I was glad that she was getting her story, um, you know, because I didn't want her to just be written off as this evil, cold woman or whatever that the hero from book two was no longer with. Um, so after her divorce, you know, she's trying to find herself. Um, she has, you know, her and her ex had a, a daughter who is in college, um, so she's trying, Rosemary's trying to find herself now that she is no longer, you know, uh, a wife and she's no longer a mother in the sense of, you know, raising her daughter and that, uh, her and her daughter have kind of a mixed relationship, which kind of goes throughout the story too. But while she, while Rosemary is trying to find herself somehow, and I'm not, I never did understand how she got to this. She decides that she wants to climb to the top of Everest uh, as well as the other six tallest mountain ranges in the world, um, and do that alongside six other women, and then write a book about it. So she meets Cal while she's heading up to Everest. 
um, hadn't got reached the top or anything, but she was um, on her way up there, and an avalanche comes along. Luckily, it came along below where they were camped, but obviously it did kill others down below. You know, did a lot of damage and stuff. Um, so that, the avalanche obviously sets back her plans, ruins them for, uh, you know, for the season. And it puts Cal and Rosemary in this, you know, kind of special place uh, where they both just survived something that most people are not going to understand. You know, they've not lived through it, they've not been through it, but they both understand this, um, you know, this feeling of worry and anxiety and, um, you know, kind of survivor guilt and all that stuff. And so, you know, that combined with obviously they're having to, like, stay together in the same um, camp and stuff when they get back down uh, off the mountain, you know, of course that leads to them seeking comfort in each other, um, you know, temporarily. Uh, except for we know it's never temporary, is it? Not in Romance Landy, at least. Um, so that's kind of this, you know, setup um, for the beginning of their story. And it goes from there into, like I said, she's got to uh, try and fix a relationship issue that she's had going on with her daughter for, you know, quite some time. Uh, as well as figure out, you know, what does she want to do? Does she really want to do this climbing? Does she really just want to write a book? Um, you know, does she want to be with Cal? Can they make it work? Etc. Etc. Uh, so why the three stars? Um, I mean, let's get some of the good stuff out of the way, right? So as far as the writing itself, I mean, it's Ruthie Knox. She does a lovely job with writing. Um, if you're a fan of her work already, you know, you'll you'll enjoy getting a new book from her. Uh, she took a break for a couple of years, I believe, and she's just now started back to, um, you know, releasing a couple of books. So for that alone, I think quite a few of her fans are going to be happy to have another one, uh, you know, especially if they've been following this series and they wanted to see Rosemary get her own uh, Happily Ever After. Um, the story... I felt like the pacing was off throughout this because so much of this moved just so, so slow, uh, where I just kept thinking there's not a whole lot going on or moving forward, and I would kind of, you know, could easily put the book down and walk away, so there was just something off on the pacing of it. Um, the characters, these two, I will admit I never quite felt like I understood enough about either one of them, which is not to say that they were flat or, you know, horribly done characters, no, but there was something lacking, something that kept me from connecting to them as deeply as I wanted to, kept me from understanding them, you know, quite as deeply as I wanted to. Like I mentioned, I we did never get how, how Rosemary went from, you know, being this uh, you know, wife, um, you know, wealthy wife to getting a divorce and, you know, running off to climb Everest. Like, I just didn't understand what her motivation, I suppose, was, what led her to that. I, I don't think that someone just wakes up, you know, even after a divorce and, uh, you know, has never been a climber or an outdoor person or anything like that and just decides to go on it. So there was just stuff, you know, little things that added up that I just didn't fully get from either one of their characters. I was just left wanting more, you know what I mean? I just wanted a little bit more from them. Um, the romance was there, and yet it kind of wasn't at times. Like, uh, I don't know, again, I can't really pinpoint what it was that was missing, but 
something was missing in the romance. Um, there was just enough there to have me a bit, leave me a bit underwhelmed by it. Uh, so I didn't hate it. You know, it's not like I think it was a horrible romance. It's not like I think that the romance was completely, you know, missing in action or anything. But I didn't really fall head over heels for their romance. Um, and at times I felt like the story was maybe too much on her trying to find herself uh, and not so much on the romance, which is not to say that I didn't want her to find herself or that that's not important and that that didn't belong in the story. It's not that, but I think, um, you know, you have to, when you're writing a romance, uh, the author has to find that nice balance between the core of it, which, you know, if it's a romance novel, should be the romance, but also the other parts of the story, which could be like character development and character, you know, uh, arc of their um, finding themselves or whatever, like her. I mean, that that can be in there. I'm, I'm not against that, but you have to find that balance, you know, because if it's too much of the other and not enough romance, then I wonder sometimes if it's not head more into, like, chiclet territory or, you know, contemporary or romantic suspense or whatever with romantic elements instead of an actual romance. I don't think this quite veered that far, but it it came close because I always felt like like the romance took a back seat a lot of the time, I guess. And I just, again, I just wanted a little bit more from it in that sense. Um, <clears throat> and for the sex, because you know, you guys know by now, I've got to talk about the sex with everything, every book. <laughs> um, the sex here, you know, I knew going in that Knox doesn't really write, um, you know, explicitly or dirty, really. Uh, so I didn't necessarily have a problem, um, and I wasn't surprised by the fact that this is pretty tame. Um, you know, what we the few scenes that we do get, they are very brief. Like, you're not going to have pages of it. Um, that's quite vague. You're not going to have a lot of, you know, description of what part's going where, etc., etc. Um, but yet, it still came across as, you know, pretty hot, I think, as far as the intimacy between them. Um, even, it if it, even if it wasn't explicitly hot, it was just kind of, I don't know, intimately hot? I don't know how to explain it. Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Where something can be not explicit, but yet it's still kind of, it just reaches in and it just kind of grabs you and you're like, oh, okay, but that's still, okay, I'm here for that. Give me a moment. That was kind of the thing. I mean, I was still left, obviously, dirty me. I still wanted more, but I knew what I was getting into, so I can't really hold it against her for not putting enough sex in it, you know, for me. I mean, <laughs> I, I just have to say, you know, I wanted more, but I, I'm not, like, docking your points for it not being there. Um, so overall with this one, you know what, the best thing I can say is I liked it completely, but I didn't love it. Um, and by the time I reached the end, I just had the overall feeling of being underwhelmed by it. Um, and you know, that's possibly the worst kind of book to talk about, right? It's easy to talk about a book that you loved, even if you love it so much that all you can do is just sit there and basically make incoherent screams at people to read the book. It's still easier to talk about that, right? And it's even easy to talk about, and sometimes fun and cathartic, to talk about a book that just outright pissed you off. But those books that fall in that middle of the ground, eh, it was okay, those are the worst to try and articulate what it was that worked or didn't work, or you know, what you wanted versus what you got. So that's kind of where I'm at with completely. I didn't hate it. Um, it's not my favorite from her, 
I don't know that it's one that I would like recommend to a new reader uh, that hasn't read her before, but I mean, if you've read her or if the story itself sounds interesting, I still think you'd probably like it. Um, it's, it's not a horrible, you know, horrible read that I'm telling you to pass on. It just, it just kind of ended up middle of the road for me. So after that, I decided as if I didn't have, you know, 20 million books literally sitting on my bookshelf and on my Kindle, I decided to go onto my library's overdrive and just start looking through the eBooks that were, you know, available at that moment that didn't have holds on it and whatever. And I finally decided to pick up uh, Delivered Fast by Annabeth El Albert, which it's the third book in that series, but I read that series all out of order, so it's the final book that I had not yet read in that series. And it's also like one of only one, two, three, like five, four MM romances that my library has. Um, dear library system, do better, be more diverse and inclusive. We could do a whole thing on that, so I'm going to focus. Anyway, um, so I decided to pick this one up and finally finish off the series. I really love this series. Um, I really love Albert's writing in general. Uh, she was one of the first uh, MM authors that I you know, started reading, and she's become quite an auto-buy for me. So, um, Delivered Fast... Uh, I ended up giving four stars to, so it was a, you know, quite solid, enjoyable read. This is the story of Chris. He is an older hero, um, you know, he's about 35. He is, uh, you know, a ginger redhead. Um, he's got a beard, and he's got some tattoos. He also runs a coffee shop in Portland. Um, this entire series uh, takes place in Portland. Lance is a little bit younger. He's only 22, and he wants to be a physical therapist. He's in school uh, at the moment, and he lives at home still. Um, part of that is because for him, family is very important. He comes from an Italian family, and family is very important, um, you know, taking care of him and helping out and, you know, family dinners and etc. But he's also staying at home because he's it allows him to obviously save up money so that he can go out of state to uh, grad school to finish up uh, his degree at a very good school for physical uh, physical therapy. So he's currently working for his cousin. Uh, his cousin has a book two, I think it is, or was it book one? His cousin has a book anyway, um, but he's working for his cousin who owns the bakery that Chris uses for the coffee shop. So they meet when... Um, Lance comes along and is working the shifts that uh, his cousin used to be, you know, delivering instead. And Lance kind of flirts with them. Chris is hesitant because of the age difference and because, you know, technically they're working not together, but, you know, they're working kind of in tangent and he doesn't want to make things weird and awkward and etc. But eventually, you know, they decide, oh, it's going to just be one night oh, maybe it's going to be a somewhat regular, you know, hookup instead. And, you know, it goes on from there. So these two definitely have chemistry. Um, Albert, I think, does a really great job at creating um, chemistry between her couples and um, does a great job as well of uh, the, her sex scenes between couples not just being all about one thing. Like, in, you know, since she writes MM, it's not just about anal sex being the end goal. And in fact, she's had a couple of books where uh, her couple is 
you know, that's not really a thing for them. Like, they might do it once or twice here or there, but for one or both of the partners in that, uh, in those books, anal was really not something that they loved. So it was not really on their list. They did other things. They found, you know, plenty of enjoyment and orgasms and fun in other ways, just not necessarily in that. So I always appreciate <clears throat> um, when there's variety in the sex, whether we're talking an MM book like this or an MF or an FF or, you know, whatever combination floats your boat, whatever combination of a couple or a trio or whatever. Um, I just like when sex is not just, you know, point A to point B to point C, rinse and repeat. So, um, these two definitely have the heat, but they also are very cute together. Um, I just, you know, kind of domestic feeling where Lance would start coming over for their hookups, but either before or after that, um, you know, he'd be doing homework. Chris would try to feed him because, you know, Lance was always running around from school to work to family, and he wasn't always taking the time to stop and eat and take a breath, and Chris wanted to, you know, help take care of him in that way. And it was just a lot of those little moments, you know, couple relationship moments and stuff that was quite cute and sweet and you know their story was it was pretty simple I mean it's it's a mostly uncomplicated plot um you know the main conflict obviously is just I don't know I guess I would say just the idea that he's kind of he hesitant to do anything permanent because of their age difference and you know he had um you know he hadn't kind of an issue with his ex, but I mean, it wasn't necessarily that he was a bad guy, but it just, the two of them were never meant to stay together and they did for too long. But anyway, you know, it was just, this one was a pretty uncomplicated read, but it was just enjoyable. It was good. Um, I really don't have anything to complain about. I mean, you might ask, well, why only four stars? Sometimes it's kind of hard to pinpoint why something is four stars instead of more. And sometimes it just comes down to, um, you know, is this one that I wanted to immediately reread, or is this one that, uh, you know, changed me in some way? You know, sometimes it comes down to that for the the difference in that, you know, half a star or even one star rating, because it's not really that there was anything that I docked down from five stars to the four stars for it. It's just this one wasn't, um, it wasn't my all-time favorite in the series or even my all-time favorite from Albert, just because there's a couple other um, you know, books that really hit me uh, a lot harder than this one did. But that's really nothing against this one. This one was, was really, really good. Um, I, I really appreciated and loved how things worked out between them in the end. You know, Chris wasn't giving up his life and his dreams. Again, you know, I mentioned the ex, there was a story there. Um, but Chris didn't give up any of that, you know, to be with Lance. Uh, he was, he was going to go after his own future, even if, you know, at the time, Chris wasn't sure what his, you know, future plans were. He just knew that, that he couldn't keep living in this rut that he was in, this past that was connected so much to his ex and his ex's dreams and not his own. So he was wanting to go and find his dreams. And, you know, if that meant that he could stay with Lance, you know, make sure that Lance wasn't giving up anything either, and both of them working towards finding their own future, and also working towards seeing if that future was together, you know, then great. Um, and so they, that's what they did, and I appreciated that, because I don't like when, in, in any romance, I don't like when one person has to give up their dreams or who they are in order for the other person to be happy, or in order for them to have a happily ever after. Like, no, that's not how it should go. You shouldn't have to there's a difference between compromise and losing yourself. 
and I don't ever like reading when a character doesn't matter the gender, it doesn't matter the, you know, pairing, but when the character has to basically lose themselves in order for the happily ever after to come about. Like I don't I don't like that. I want them to both get what they want out of their life plus, you know, get the awesome orgasms and, you know, a marriage down the road if that's what they so desire. Um so like I said, this one wasn't my favorite in the series. That's probably still a tie, definitely still a tie between knit tight and wrapped together. Um, but it's definitely a solid run, runner-up, I would say. I, I think there was another one in this series that I liked a lot less. Um, so this one at four stars, seriously, nothing wrong with it. And I would say with this series, you can jump in anywhere. I mean, I started with book four, I believe, originally. And then I read like five and six as they came out. And then like I went back to one and two and now I've read three. Like I jumped all over the place. You can do that. It's not, um, there are characters that show up throughout it, obviously, but I don't think you're going to be completely confused or lost if you, you know, jumped into say, um, <clears throat> if you jumped into like the last book or something like you'll be fine. You could jump, pick this up whenever. So from there, I finished up my audiobook, A Scott in the Dark by Sarah McLean, uh, narrated by Justine Eyre. I ended up giving this one four stars. It was close, though. At times, it was a little bit less than that. I'll explain that in just a minute. And the narrator, I would give four stars for. So, and this is the story of Alec. Uh, he's an older hero, uh, again, about 34 or so. He's Scottish. I mean... That's that's all I need to say, White. Right? Okay, goodbye. End of this end of the discussion. He's Scottish, that's all you need to know. <laughs> um, he's Scottish and he has uh suddenly inherited a dukedom. And he doesn't want anything to do with it, doesn't want anything to do with London society. He just wants to stay off in Scotland, do his thing. Well, he finds out a few years after that that the dukedom had a ward and she's causing this big scandal in London, and he needs to go over there and take care of it and, you know, um, fix all this before it ruins her. So Lily, uh, she is, she is the ward, but she's not like some, you know, schoolgirl. She's 24, so I appreciated that she was a little bit older as far as, um, you know, being a ward is concerned. I didn't want some underage girl. Um, her father was the steward to the old duke, and, um, when he passed away, when her father passed away, the Duke then um, took her in, you know, not to be raised like some daughter or something, but obviously uh, where he made a reward of the Dukedom. I mean, he was treating her as a lot better than, say, just a servant. And, uh, you know, she, sorry, she um, gets into the scandal because she believes that she was in love with this actor slash artist. And, you know, he starts promising her forever and love and all this. And, oh, hey, you could be my muse. I'm inspired by you. What do you feel? How do you feel about, you know, taking off your clothes and posing for me? And she agrees because she honestly thinks that it's love between them and they're going to get married. And this is just him painting it for something between the two of them. It's never going to see the light of day, right? Uh, wrong. Um, once he breaks it off with her, because he never had any intention of, you know, marrying her or anything else, but once he breaks it off, um, suddenly he is going to reveal the painting in front of all of, 
all of London, all of society, and there's no hiding the fact that you you can see her face, you know who this nude woman is, and uh, he doesn't care. So basically it's like historical revenge porn, you guys. Um, so that's what Alec has to go and take care of, of trying to get her out of this trouble, uh, you know, trying to maybe get her married off before the painting is revealed, and uh, I think from the time that he gets there to London to the time that the, um, like the reveal of the painting in the museum or whatever was going to be like 10 days away, so he's got to quickly get thing, something figured out so that she's not completely ruined. Um, and of course he starts eventually having some feelings for her, even though he shouldn't, and etc, etc. So I have to say, usually the guardian and ward um, trope, it really doesn't work for me. I don't I don't read them. I don't seek them out. It's just kind of a, it's that gray area, uh, not my thing. Um, I didn't mind it here, uh, you know, one, because it's McLean, so, you know, I'll kind of read whatever from her. And, you know, two, I think it was because the fact that she was a little bit older. Um, like I said, she wasn't some underage, you know, starry-eyed schoolgirl. And because he wasn't, he didn't know about her, nor was he the one actually, you know, raising her or, you know, living with her or whatever for all those years. So it was just kind of like, it was literally like the dukedom itself was the guardian because the dukedom passed between, like, I think it's supposed to be 16 people before it got to Alec. Like, literally just 16 new dukes just, like, died one right after another, like, every other month or something. It was crazy, and it was never explained um, why all of these, you know, guys died and why that wasn't suspicious or odd or it wasn't fully explained, like, how Alec was related to the English Duke to get the title, even though it was clearly, like, quite far related if he was, like, the 17th. Anyway, there was things like that that was just kind of not ever explained and I'm, I'm still kind of unsure about. But regardless, um, you know, it's McLean. It's, she's always a joy to read. I really enjoy her books. And, you know, this one was no different. But, but, I told you that even though I gave it four stars, it almost was lower. So, the romance progression on this one was really, really, really slow. And by that I mean, when I was listening to it, and I went to go pause it after one of my walks, and I looked down and I realized that I was at 60% of the book, and nothing had happened really up till then as far as building their romance. Um, you know, it's they were they were together, like you know they were trying to figure out where the painting was, blah blah blah. But there wasn't really anything going on that was setting up for their romance. They were still just he was the one trying to you know help her to not be ruined, and that was kind of it for that sixty percent of the book. And I don't know, I need more than that if I'm going to believe that they're going to live happily ever after in the next 40%. So um, it, that, that's very slow start, that unevenness to the, to the pacing and to the um, building of the romance. That part of the book I would honestly give like three stars to, like maximum, um, just for that alone, like for the romance part of it and the pacing part of it. It's not like there was anything horrible in the writing or in the, you know, characters or the story or whatever, but rather just in the romance and the pacing of that part of the book, I would honestly give it three stars max. But then the last, you know, third or so of the book was, was good. And I, I obviously loved the narration. Um, I think Justine Eyre does, has a really lovely voice and it works really, really well with historical romances. Um, at least everyone that I've listened to from her, she does a great job at it. So between 
the last of the book and the actual narration for the book, I mean, I still ended up giving this four stars overall, but it was, it was almost a three star book for me. Um, and I even still debated on whether or not maybe doing an overall three and a half stars, but I ended up still pushing it up to four and I will stand by the four, but you know, I do want to say I, I was not a huge fan of a good portion of it just because I don't feel like the romance was set up and it wasn't shown. And, um, when it does come into play, you know, when the, when the romantic lines and the emotions and yes, even the sex all comes into play, it's, it's quite a bit later in the book. And I just felt like a lot of that time, uh, was spent on other things when maybe it should have still been more of a focus on the romance in the early parts of it. So some of the things that I did like, um, you know, we're going to come back to the sex, right? You knew it was coming. <laughs> you knew that that was coming too. Um, it is a universal truth. I think I can say this here with, without anyone, you know, denying it or, or, um, calling me out on it, but it's a universal truth that nothing is sexier than a let me show you what I like sex scene. I mean, especially when it's the woman that is saying that to the hero. I mean, God, yes, give me, give me all of that, okay? Give me all of that. And we get that in here. Um, and bonus, it's while they're in a carriage. And we all know carriage sexy times are just the bomb. Period. Full stop. That's all. They are. Um, so, you know, in that carriage scene, she gets hers, uh, but then she starts to reach for him to return the favor, and he tenses up and pushes her away because he has some hang-ups with sex. So, kind of spoilery here for a minute. He's been told all his life that he's, you know, too big, and I don't just mean where it counts, um, you know, too big, too tall, too rough, around the edges, you know, too Scottish to be anything other than just a night of fun for, you know, a proper English lady or whatever. Um, you know, English lady that wants to slum it up. Um, so he's, that actually started, um, that mindset and that, I mean, he had his mother telling him as a kid that, you know, he was, she was English. Um, and she had his mother telling him as a kid always that he was too Scottish. And so that stuck, but then it got worse. Um, when he was still in, you know, school, so in his late teens or whatever, and one of his classmates' older sister uh, came and seduced him one night and then literally paid him for the ride. And uh, worse than that, she told her friends that this, this is who you go to. You've got to go ride the Scottish Brute. You, it'll be the time of your life type of thing. And so that's kind of how he got, you know, money to pay for food and whatnot through school, um, was by being a, being treated like a prostitute by these, you know, proper British young ladies that just wanted to come and slum it up. So because of all that, he, he still feels unworthy of anyone, you know, but especially he feels unworthy of Lily. And, um, you know, he, I don't want to say that he gets over his hangups, like they just magically disappear. But I mean, obviously they do, you know, have sex. They do have a happily ever after. So he's able to, um, you know, talk about them, kind of come to terms with them, you know, work through them some. Uh, and <laughs> the other scene that stood out, I mean, I'm sorry, it's all about the sex with the scenes that stood out with me, isn't it? I'm not even, 
not even a little bit ashamed about that, <laughs> but um, it was another scene, um, another sex scene, and literally they break the bed. <laughs> like they're done, they just they're 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 breathing hard, blah blah blah, and they hear the bed breaking and the canopy falling down and everything. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, my new goal in life is to break a bed with a Scott. That's it. That's that's my entire life goal right there. Priorities, people. I've got them. <laughs> um, so, you know, outside of the, you know, sex, which, again, it's not the most explicit out there, but it was, it was pretty hot. Um, I really loved how Lily took control of the scandal and fixing it in the end. Uh, I thought that was uh, a nice turn of her, you know, her taking control of it and not and not just Alec trying to step in. Um, and I won't ruin it all. I don't want to ruin everything. I already spoiled a little bit about Alec and his past. So I will just say I liked how that was handled in the end. And, you know, overall, again, it wasn't my favorite from McLean, but it wasn't bad. It just, it had that slow start to both the story and to the romance. And again, it just, it just left me wanting that little bit more from these two. And so because of that, four stars. Still a good read. But, you know, it's just, it is what it is, right? Okay, the last book I actually, is not a book that I read, and by that I mean I didn't finish it. But I will kind of briefly talk about why I DNF'd it. So, the book was Against All Odds by Jez DeSelva. It releases on September 18th, um, and I ended up DNFing this around 10%. So I will kind of give you what I knew of the, the, the hero and heroine and kind of the setup um, before I DNF'd it. Keep in mind, I DNF'd it so early on that, you know, I don't have a whole lot to tell you and I could have some misinformation incorrect just based on the few pages that I got. So the hero is Australian, um, but he's been serving, it was either that he was supposed to be serving with the U.S. Army or alongside the U.S. Army. Anyway, he's just now returning back to Australia as, like, you know, some wounded hero that everyone's talking about. Um, she is, again, I'm assuming, was an American teacher who's been sick. My guess is cancer. Um, and she is taking this trip to Australia before her surgery. So the trip is kind of a, you know, way for her to knock something, knock some things off of her bucket list mainly her pesky virginity. So the two of them meet on the plane, um, they're seated next to each other, and that, I mean, that's it. That's that's as far as I got as far as the story, so I can't tell you anything more than that. Um, I didn't really stop because of the plot or the characters. It was actually because of the writing style, the writing voice. It just, it was not working for me. Um, it was almost kind of painful. At the very least, it was very distracting. Um, because I was spending so much time going back to reread sentences and like revising them in my head, um, than actually, you know, focusing on enjoying the story and getting into the story. And that's, that's not a good sign. Like if I'm, if I can't turn off the part of me that wants to, um, you know, pick out problems in the writing, then pushing myself through to read the book is probably not going to go well, even if the story is, you know, awesome, that's going to, it's going to hold me back, it's going to frustrate me, and in the end, it's, you know, probably going to uh, greatly influence my overall opinion on the book. So I finally just decided to stop at the 10% mark, 
Um, you know, I've got a bunch of other things that I can read. Uh, so why, you know, why basically torture myself? I know that sounds kind of harsh. It's not like I think that this was the worst writing out there or the worst book. No. And of course, your opinions on it may differ from mine. And of course, I'm reading an arc, you know, all that stuff, you must take it with a grain of salt. Um, but the thing that I had the problem with with her writing quirk, tick, I, I mean, I don't know her style. Um, she was constantly using three words, like three adjectives or three phrases to describe or explain something. And, uh, this was like a, you know, formula to her sentences that would pop up at least once a page, every page. And it wasn't like these were, you know, three words, phrases, you know, whatever. It's not like these were things that were actually needed. They weren't, you know, didn't make things more clear. They didn't paint this, you know, pretty image or anything like that. No, they were just, they ended up just kind of being unnecessary clutter in the writing, in the sentences, where it just was constantly dragging me back out. I could never fall into a flow with this um, writing, with the story. And it was just constantly dragging me right back out. So... At 10%, I just, I had to put it aside. I, I didn't see that it was going to do anything uh, to keep reading it, that I didn't see that it was going to be good for me. I figured, uh, you know, just, it was just time to mark my, you know, mark it as a loss, move on to something else. Maybe it'll work for others. I, you know, I'm sure it will, because what, what works for one person might not work for another person. What doesn't work for me might work for you, you know give it a chance. Go, you know, go look at the summary or whatever. And maybe if it sounds good to you, give it, give it a go and let us know what you thought of it. If it, if it ended up, um, you know, working out better than it did for me. Like I said, I didn't, I didn't get very far. So I really don't have much to say on anything besides, besides that writing, um, style. So <clears throat> that was everything that I finished for the week. I take that back last night. I couldn't decide what I was going to start reading. So I decided to read this, um, little quickie short that Santino Hassel put out on Insta Freebie. Um, if it's still there, I will link it down below. It is literally just like an extended sex scene. So, I mean, when I say it's a, a an erotic quickie, that's literally what it is. Um, but it's a story, it fits in with his Five Burrows series. So, it really, it's a little quickie that is has the most meaning and impact, I suppose, um, if you've been reading the series, because you'll know who these characters are, um, you'll kind of understand what's going on and stuff like that. You could read it even if you've never read the rest of the series, but I mean, it, I guess you wouldn't have as much of a connection to these characters um, as if you already knew them from the books. Um, but that was literally just like dirty, filthy awesomeness, and I loved it. Um, like I said, it wasn't very long. It's literally just like, you know, one really long sex scene, and I was here for it, and I'm here for more of it. And, um, Hey, Santino, I uh, I hope you're going to write some more MF and MM and FF. Just basically write all the pairings, okay? Just keep all the books coming. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Or at least I would. I am a greedy, greedy motherfucker, and I am not ashamed to say that. So give me all of them, okay? <laughs> um, that quickie that I'm talking about was Corrupting Chris. Pretty sure that's what it's called. Like I said, I will link to it. Um, if it's still up, I know he's not keeping it up very long, so if you want it, you better hurry and get it, go and get it. Um, so that was everything. That was everything that I read, and I just, I'm kind of, 
I don't know, this might change. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly I'm going to read for the weekend. Um, but I'm kind of feeling like I'm in the mood for a paranormal. And when I was looking through my Kindle, I realized that I've still got Twice Bitten by Lauren Dane on there. Um, I got it as an ARC. Now, it is out. It came out in August. Um, but Story of My Life, I am always behind on my ARCs. Um, so Twice Bitten was originally previously published in 2013 from Sam Hain. As you know, Sam Hain is no more. Um, so it is now, that entire series um, is being republished by Karina Press. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's what I'm going to read. Um, I don't think it's terribly long. Like I think it's like 65,000 words, I want to say. So I might have that finished before the weekend's over. I mean, if I can actually get some time to read. <sighs> I wish, I hope. Um, if I do finish it, I don't know what I'm going to move on to afterwards. Do I need to? I should probably read a book that's coming out in a couple weeks, right? Like, I feel like I'm so behind on, on arcs and reviews, um, mainly because I'm having more fun talking about some of these um, books in this form on the podcast than actually sitting down and writing an actual review for it. Um, I need to change that, though, because, you know, as great as this, this podcast is, and I love doing it, and I won't change that, you know, in the foreseeable future, at least. Um, you know, the blog is, <laughs> the blog and, and getting arcs and that kind of depends on reviews actually being written up. So I should probably, you know, read a, another review book after I do Twice Bitten. Um, and my current audiobook is, finally came in from the library, uh, from Overdrive, you know, um, I put the hold on it the day that, I don't know if it was the day that it came out, but it was like the week that it came out anyway. It was the day, first day that my library got it in the system, and I hurried and put a, a hold on that, but I was not the only one, so um, I think I was like 13 or 14 in line, and it finally came in this week, so I am listening to, um, excuse me, <laughs> you guys, I'm not used to talking this much. Seriously, I talk more to you guys on this podcast than I do the entire week in my real life, so... I am listening to Royally Endowed, <laughs> I love that title by the way, um, by Emma Chase. I love this series. I, I really enjoy um, Emma Chase's writing in general. I've not read everything from her. I read all of her Legal Brief series though and really enjoyed those, especially the second and third in that one. And then I've uh, really loved book one and two in this Royal series. Um, but I will say, I won't go into it because I'm not I'm only about two-thirds through it, so I'll talk about it next week when I've actually finished it all. But I will say this. Um, this book is going to be my least favorite in this series. Um, I'm not loving it like I did one and two. And, yeah. Um, narration is going good, though. The two narrators they've got for it. You know, no problems there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't... I don't see this one being more than a four stars, but, I mean, that's a tentative rating because I've not finished it yet, but, you know, just to put it in perspective, books one and two were like four and a half and almost five stars for me, so, um, you know, when I say this one's my least favorite, it's not that it was a dud, it's just, you know, it's just not my favorite, <laughs> what can I say? Um, so I think that is everything for yet another rambling, you know, totally unprofessional, but that's kind of the fun of this little romance chit-chat, right? So, tell me, tell all of us, you know, tell us, 
what are you reading this weekend? Or what did you read during the week? Um, the good, the bad, the ugly. What are you excited to read? Are you waiting for a new release on Monday or Tuesday? Um, you know, just tell us all about the things that you are reading or wanting to read or just got done reading. Leave that in the blog post or you can tweet me on Twitter or, you know, do whatever you got to do. Just let us know. Come chat with us, okay? I'm talking about the books I'm reading. I want to hear about what you're reading, too. Um, and remember, just kind of a quick little reminder that if you want to talk about what you're reading more than just, you know, a blog comment and you'd like to do reviews, you know, hit me up, email me. You can find the contact information on the blog. Um, I, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to hear from you if that's what you want to do. We've got room for you here. Um, but that is definitely everything. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I hope you have a good weekend. If you're anywhere where all of these horrible, you know, the hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and all this shit is going on, fires, please stay safe and um, just stay safe, okay? I hope everything turns out okay for you there. And I will talk to you guys next week. Until then, enjoy.